Welcome to my passion project, the Bold Flavors Podcast. I'm Timo, founder and CEO of Gusto. At Gusto, our vision is to be the most loved way to eat dinner and we're currently delivering over 1 million meals every single week in the UK. We are a data company that loves food and we are customer and culture obsessed. From every episode, you can expect in-depth conversations on leadership, what makes a person tick and scaling businesses. Since starting Gusto in 2012, I've spoken with so many amazing, inspirational and talented people who have shaped my thinking. This podcast is about sharing some of these experiences with you. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Joe Wicks. Joe is the nation's PE teacher, getting us all in shape during lockdown. He's got millions of followers on social media. His books are bestsellers and he's famous for food and fitness. Joe has been a Gusto customer for many years and one day he reached out asking to meet. This was the start of a friendship and also a partnership. Since then, Gusto has launched Joe Wick's Lean in 15 recipes and given our shared purpose to get families eating healthy and better food, he ended up investing into Gusto. Today, Joe and I will be talking about how he grew up in council housing with a dad struggling with drug addiction, how he scaled himself from personal trainer to CEO of a successful company with 50 people and how he stays humble and grounded despite all of his huge success. Joe, everyone knows you as the legend you are, but tell us about where and how you grew up. I've obviously done a few podcasts now and I've done a lot of interviews where I'm really honest about my childhood and my upbringing and I've done Desert Island Discs and I shared my journey, you know, as a a young child in a house of addiction, you know, my parents, it was a chaotic upbringing, you know, in my childhood, I grew up in a council estate in um, a town called Epsom. My dad was in and out of rehab for drug addiction as a kid. So quite a chaotic upbringing, but I kind of made a decision from a young age that I was not going to go down that route and I was going to be positive and stay fit and use exercise. And I do think looking back now that exercise was such a big part of my journey because I used it as a kind of way of dealing with my anger, with my stress, with my, you know, my emotions. And so even as a young kid, I remember just running everywhere or I was always doing sport, always keeping myself occupied through fitness and pushing myself. And that really led me on to becoming the person I am today, I think, making that decision from a young age. Wow, that's incredible. And did you have anyone who influenced you at an early age? I don't think I had anyone at home influence me in terms of that. But I think I did have, I remember having a great relationship with my PE teachers at school. You know, I was quite a disruptive child. I was very distracted, you know, a bit of a class clown and always disrupting. And one thing I always got on really well with was, was PE. I just, I loved it. I loved being outdoors. I was always the one, you know, rounding everybody up as quick as I could to get everyone on the pitch to play football or to get us outside on the, on the tennis court or whatever maybe because I wanted to just get stuck in. It was, it was something I really looked forward to. So it's weird. It's kind of like, yeah, it's almost like I was doing, I was kind of being a little mini body coach even back then and trying to motivate the people that didn't enjoy it and get them outside. But I suppose amazing. Yeah, I, went, I was going to, I mean, my ambition and really my ambition as a kid was to be a PE teacher. That was as far as my visions and dreams went. And it's funny, isn't it? How I've done this PE with Joe now. I've just done all these workouts for the millions of kids. And so I've kind of come full circle where, I, I went to become a school teacher, but I didn't really fall in love with it. Then I became the, you know, the body coach. But yet here I am being a PE teacher for people all over the world. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Wow. Um, what a journey. And um, how's your dad now? My dad's good. You know, my dad's clean today. It's, it's, it's one of these things, I'm you know, super happy to, yeah. when you're in, when you're in addiction, you know, when you're going through, um, you know, rehab and, and narcotics anonymous it's it's never, it's always there, you know, it's always something you have to live with, but you know, we have a great friendship now and times were tough. You know, when I was a kid, when you're young and you don't know where your dad is or why he's not there and you know, your mum and dad are arguing and he's in and out of the house. It, it was a tough time. And I think, I just, I don't look back with any resentment. No, I'm very much, I really believe in just living for today. And I don't really think too much negatively about it. It was just my journey. And, you know, I still made the right decisions. I wasn't, you know, going down the park, smoking weed and drinking alcohol at 16. I actually was like, joined the gym. I remember like, as soon as I got a job team, I was 16 years old. I was working at Wilkinson's in Epsom, which is like a, like a, you know, a department store. And I was working on the till and I was getting about, I think I was getting like 50 pounds a month. And I remember using all of that money to join a gym. I went to join a, a gym called Holmes Place in Epsom because I was just drawn to like wanting to kind of, you know, be physically strong. And I was really skinny growing up. So one of the things Nikki used to bully me for and always terrorize me for was how skinny I was. So he used to say like, you got the skinniest legs. And so I remember just thinking, I'm going to go to the gym and get bigger. And it, I never actually got any bigger. I'm still just as skinny, but I was very much driven to, um, to stay fit. And, and I definitely used that as a way of dealing with my like, yeah, like I said, my, my emotions and anger towards that, you know, living with some of addiction. And you've got massively high energy, but do you think you, you kind of learned work ethics from, from your parents, from your dad, from, from the example? Like, did, you, did it fuel you in any way? Or? Well, I, I often think about this, you know, where did my ambition come from? Where did I start to develop that work ethic? Because if I think back to when I made the decision to become a personal trainer, and I started doing those boot camps and I started promoting myself with flyers and stuff. There was always this voice in my head that just kept saying, Joe, even though there's no one here right now, don't give up. Don't just go and work for a gym. You know, you can do this. Keep going flyering. Keep promoting yourself. Keep getting on social media. And I applied the same mentality really to my Instagram and my YouTube channel and everything that I've ever done because I refuse to give up. I just have this sort of positive cheerleader in my, in my head. And I, I often hear people talk about how they don't have that voice, how they have someone that says, mm. give up, it's too hard, you know, this isn't going to work. And, you know, even friends and family could say, that's not a very good idea, Timo, but as long as you believe in it and you, and you work towards that goal, you can achieve anything you want. I, I truly believe that. And I, I've proved that with, with everything I've done. I, you know, the reason I stood out amongst millions of personal trainers, I think, is because I'm so passionate and so driven and I just refuse to give up and I refuse to like take no for an answer. I'll always, I'm a solution based thinker. I'll always think of ways to improve and learn and grow. And that's, that's why I think I'm still growing on social media now. That's absolutely amazing. And how did you decide to become a personal trainer? Well, as I said, I went to university to become a PE teacher. Like, I really did think I was going to do my degree in sports science, come out of uni, like travel for a year or so. But when I came back from traveling, I, I, I worked as a teaching assistant for about a year and I just found it really difficult. I felt like I didn't have the patience and I thought, I don't know if I can do this for my, my whole life. It's a really challenging job and I've got a lot of respect for teachers, you know, especially primary school teachers with children with difficulties and certain um, behavioral problems. It's really challenging and I thought, I don't think I can do this. So I thought, you know, what do I actually love? And I remember thinking, well, I love exercising and I love getting my friends healthy and fit and inspiring them. Why not just go and give it a go? So I borrowed... Um, couple of grand off my mum and dad you know to basically do a personal training qualification it was like a six weeks intensive course and I'd done that and then I I started working in a gym just for about three months just to kind of get my foot in the door to work out 
you know, what it's all about, how does it all work? And I worked at a kind of um, exclusive training studio in, in London. And I remember I was trying to email this guy so many times and he kept knocking me back saying, oh, you're not experienced enough. We only want really experienced trainers. And I was just relentless. And I remember when I finally got the job, he said, Joe, the reason I've given you a chance is because you're so determined. You're so, you just won't give up. And so even then when I was just starting out, I had this hunger to learn from the best. And that was it really. That's, that kind of took me on that journey. And I then obviously got onto social media and, and in the digital space. And w- when was that? So I started out as a personal trainer in 2012. And the first kind of thing I got into was Twitter. And I had a, a hashtag called Team Lean 2013. I just said it one day. I had this kind of Amazing. feeling of like, we're in a team. Who wants to join Team Lean 2013? And let's get fit and lean together. And I was sort of sharing recipes. And this is way before Instagram were doing videos. So I did that for about a year. And I really got a real buzz off of like the audience growing. And also from people you know, saying that I was helping them. I, I felt good. I felt good that I was helping people get motivated or cook a healthy recipe or exercise. And it was very addictive. I was so addicted to social media. And I talk about this a lot. In order to become, um, you know, a social media entrepreneur or success story, I was very antisocial. I would have my phone out all the time. I'd be sneaking off to the toilet. I'd be on it in the morning till midnight. But that was my hunger to kind of grow. And this is way before, like, you know, big social media fitness influencers. This is long before... I even thought about monetizing that audience. I genuinely just loved it, team. And I'd be on holiday sharing my breakfast and doing a workout outside on the balcony. And that was what people were really drawn to, I think. That's really, really incredible. Yeah, I mean, this was like super early. Um, Nowadays, so many people are doing it, but you um, definitely pioneered it. Um, And talk me through how tough it was to build an audience back then. I think in 2012, when I started on Twitter, you know, things were kind of picking up and I, I was watching the landscape and I was seeing personal trainers and people doing online fitness plans and things. And I just saw like a penny kind of, like a kind of penny drops. And I thought, actually, like, I love being a personal trainer right now, but it's really tiring. I was running boot camps and doing one-to-one and, you know, you're up at 6am, you don't get home till like 9, 10pm. And I thought, I want to get into this digital space. I want to start sharing content. And um, it kind of was a slow burn. You know, Twitter was quite slow. The real turning point for me was Instagram. When Instagram allowed video in 2013, Mm. I think it was, I started sharing the 15-second videos because that was the only time you could share for. It was 15 seconds and that was it. I'd been watching, there was other people doing recipe videos. There was definitely other people doing it. But I thought, I'm going to have a little bit of a spin on this. I want to do my own sort of style. And so I called it Lean in 15. And that was because it was 15-second video showing how to cook a 15-minute meal. And that was in, twenty, I think, 2014. And from that first year of doing it, by the end of the year, I think I had 50,000 followers and I had a book wow. deal with, um, with Pan McMillan. So it, it happened, it kind of snowballed quite quick, but the first year was obviously slow. But then I had little milestones. I went on Sunday brunch or I'd have an interview on Good Morning Britain. It kind of little spikes here and there. And then from there, it kind of, I think the books took it to the next level. I think that really helped me become a household name with the cookbook, the success of the Lean 15 books. So that was then the point you felt like you made it or? From a, from a business perspective. So as the audience was growing, bearing in mind, I was still living at my dad's. I was still, you know, cycling and riding my van to the boot camp, And I was, you know, doing the personal training and I, I launched my online fitness plan. So it was a 90 day plan. And this was really just, I thought in my head, I thought if I could sell like, you know, 10 plans a week, I can do less personal training and I can have a bit more time with my, with my girlfriend and, 
and my family, but it just really, it snowballed. It really was the launch of a, an actual tech, not tech because it was quite, it's quite analog. It was a PDF, you know, it's, it's still actually a PDF now. It's still quite basic, but you know, thousands and thousands of people were signing up a month and then it grew. And then from there, I obviously passed on my boot camps and personal training business. I focused solely on the growth of the kind of online stuff. And then I, you know, one at the peak team, I had 50, I mean, you'll know what it's like hiring staff. I had, I went from, you know, being on my own with, with a friend of mine who was helping out to then hiring 50 staff. I remember driving from my dad's from Surbiton to Richmond to do this big recruitment day. And I was really like, emotional in the car. And I, I basically could feel this energy growing inside me because I was really, I was obviously excited, but also quite, you know, nervous and proud. And I was like, I'm about to hire all these people. And when I got in front of them all, because we'd gone through a kind of recruitment process, I was there to do like a little bit of a keynote to say, you know, welcome and thank you. And I can't wait to be with you. And I burst into tears in front of all of my employees because I was so overwhelmingly proud and like I couldn't believe that I was doing this that it really it did take me back and I was I wasn't embarrassed about it because I was just like this is how I'm feeling I, I, I don't have any issue with it but I was just so passionate about it and I was like amazed it had just grown so quick and I was about to hire all these people and take them on wow that's incredible and how did you feel about managing all those people all of a sudden you know coming from you doing everything yourself and then all of a sudden you know a huge team to manage well, I'm really lucky because I, you know, I couldn't, there's certain things I'm good at and there's certain things I'm not good at. And I know like my skill, I'm not a great, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good leader in terms of people and I love motivating and, and being like, you know, inspiring in, in, within the company. But in terms of like day-to-day, -day, you know, operations and, you know, general managing and HR, that was just something that was way above my head. But luckily, you know, my, um, my mentor, Bev, and my manager who helped me through that process, she kind of helped me with the recruitment. She helped me get a general manager and an HR and a financial controller. So we just brought in the right people. And, you know, that was an investment. And like I said, 50 staff with a massive office in Richmond. The overheads were crazy. They were astronomical, but it never, I never worried about it. I always was so confident. And I believed, you know, because I believed that we were going to have an office in the US and Australia and we were going to grow globally. But the truth is we grew and we developed and improved the product so much that we actually do better now with 15 staff, you know, than we did having 50 staff and a massive office because we improved the product. We, you know, introduced um, live chat and um, kind of FAQs and just improve the way the, the plan looks for video content that we developed it. So now it's at a point where we have, you know, 15 staff and we're doing more sales than ever because lock, I can't even begin to tell you like what lockdown done for the business. It was, it was phenomenal really. Mm. And just to stay a little bit on the earlier journey, what, what's the stuff you really hated doing back then from a business perspective? Well, for me, you know, I don't like any admin. I don't like anything that I'm really good doing creative stuff. Like you can put me in a, in a room and say, cook recipes all day or film workouts and do social media, <laughs> but anything like admin, like anything that feels like school or work or homework stresses me out. So like even like employment contracts and HR, and I'm also not great at like managing in terms of like telling people what to do. I, we have a very laid back vibe within the, you know, everyone kind of looks after themselves and it's just, just my personality type, you know, and, and I suppose, yeah, I, I think I, I found it difficult going through, you know, like seeing people, certain staff um, leaving and, you know, cause I really develop relationships and friendships with everyone that I work with. So, you know, when things are tough or if people move on, I found that quite difficult, but um, you know, as I said, now I've, I've learned so much, but I really got thrown into the deep and imagine being a personal trainer in Surbiton with uh, just a van and some equipment to having an office, a 5,000 square foot office with 50 staff, you know, it was such a, 
massive transition, but I learned along the way and I'm, I don't think I made any mistakes with it. I think even looking back, like I did what I wanted to do at that moment in time and it may not have grown to the level I expected it, but you know, I still believe there's, there's way more growth to come. Definitely. And you always strike me as somebody who's hugely, you know, purpose and vision driven. How, how did you kind of develop your true north? It's such a clear vision in my mind. When I think about, when I think back to the personal training, when I think back to launching my Instagram and my YouTube, you know, why do I share so much free content? Because the truth is I love knowing that I'm helping people from all over the world, whether it's with recipes or, or free fitness content. And because of that, it's allowed me to be so focused and so driven. And yeah, you know, the company's done amazingly and financially things change in my life. But the mission today is the same. I'm about to film when this is finished. I'm going into my living room and I'm going to film some workouts on my YouTube channel, which anyone can access at any point. And it's allowed me to turn down deals with, you know, supermarkets wanting to do fast food with brands wanting me to promote energy drinks and fat burning pills. And I could look, the truth is I could have made so much money in the past five years doing certain brand deals, certain partnerships. But the truth is I know that my mission and my purpose is so clear and I'm, I'm going to be around in 20, 30 years and my longevity and my authenticity is there because people know that I'm in this to help people. And you can, you can see with P with Jonah, 18 weeks of my life, every single day, Monday to Friday, I got up and did those workouts and you, you have to be driven by more than just money and, and personal financial gain and ego to do something like that. This is what really, really, truly inspired me when we met a couple of years ago. Um, I was really blown away by, by kind of how long-term you're thinking, you know, the, the mission, the purpose, the vision. And I feel like there was a huge overlap to Gusto. And obviously, I was hugely delighted after you being a customer for a while that you then, you know, invested ultimately. Why Gusto? So the, the, I love the partnership with Gusto and I love the journey that, that, that the, how it even happened because essentially, you know, I had a massive opportunity of a supermarket in the UK and I was really excited about it. You know, it was, they guaranteed two million pounds, you know, minimum over two years. And then when it came down to it and I looked at the products, it was like sandwiches and ready meals, microwave dinners and, you know, throwing the mic kind of boiling the bag stuff. And I just thought, you know what? this isn't right for me. I've I spent so long building my brand and it's all about helping people believe and show them they've got 15 minutes to cook healthy home cooked food. So we basically just walked away from that deal and I didn't regret it. It was the best decision that I made because I know in my heart, if I had to stand on my Instagram or the TV and promote those ready meals, a part of me inside would have just died and I just would have been so upset and embarrassed about it. So I know I've done the right thing and I don't regret that. And so in the meantime, a friend of mine, Brendan, had someone knock on his door, you know, trying to sell Gusto to him. And he normally hasn't got a time of day for anyone like that. He said, what's it about? He goes, it's food. He goes, all right, you've got five minutes. So he ended up being, <laughs> you know, being sold to Gusto on the spot on his door, which is something that doesn't happen very often. And he, got, he was like, Joe, you've got to try this Gusto. It's really good. I've been doing it with the kids for the last sort of six months. And about three or four of my other friends did it. So Nikki said, look, why don't my brother Nikki, who, who works alongside me, said, why don't we give this a go? So we signed up, you know, without letting anybody know, we gave it a go for a few weeks. And I was instantly like, it just changed my life because I've got kids now. And you know, the fact that I can have really tasty food and they are really amazing recipes delivered to the door, you know, seven days a week. And the fact that I haven't got to think, I can just follow the recipe guide. Me and Rosie can sit together and enjoy that food. It re really has. And I, it's very easy to talk about because 
I'm genuinely living that life, like four recipes a week, every week for the past year and a half or even maybe two years now. So then Nikki messaged you on LinkedIn and said, I work with a body coach. We'd love to have a conversation with you. And it really was a really um, kind of, it's just an introduction. We thought it'd be a nice idea to like have recipes on there that we could help promote our, our book. I never really had a bigger vision for something, you know, like a big partnership, but it's just been incredible. Don't you think it's just been the best for me, the most successful brand partnership I've ever done? Same here. I mean, we've, you know, only done this partnership. We're hugely selective. It's all about long-term thinking and purpose. Um, so no, massively enjoyed it, Joe. And thanks for the trust. And talk me through lockdown. I mean, obviously, P with Joe has been a massive, massive success and so helpful for so many people. I've done it a lot of times. How did you come up with the idea and how was lockdown for you? Well, looking back now, like it's, it just seems to have got to go so fast because I was so, you know, I was so caught up in those workouts and with media. I mean, in the first two weeks when I announced it, I had done so much PR. I was doing breakfast TV in the UK and then like going to bed and waking up at midnight and doing the like Australian TV. So I was wow. so burnt out. I was so tired in those first couple of weeks, but I was obsessed. I was like, I've got to do every single bit of PR because the more people that see me and hear about this, the more people and families around the world that would take part. And the first day, I think it was like 800,000 live viewers. The second day, it was 954,000 live streams, which turned wow. out to be a Guinness World Record. And I was just, the idea essentially was just, we've done UK tours. I've done visits to schools. I love it. And I was supposed to go on a tour that week that the lockdown was announced. So it was Thursday night. It was midnight. I text Nikki and said, Nikki, I've got an idea. Next week, let's just go in live workout on YouTube, Monday to Friday, you know, 9am. Let's just give someone some structure, give people a place to like feel safe and just get their positivity and lift their mood. Cause I know that a lot of children would be feeling quite upset and troubled why, why they're not going to school and why they've got to stay in the house. And I never really had any idea of how long I was going to do it for. I, I honestly thought a month maybe, but I, I ended up doing it for 18 weeks consistently. And I went through a broken hand. I went through everything. I didn't miss a single day because I genuinely felt a duty and a responsibility to offer that and be there and service the families across the UK that were, were stuck in a house in their little apartment somewhere. I think you even convinced Rosie to do a couple for you or with you. Well, how's my luck? So I announced it on the Thursday. On the Saturday, I went out on my bike and I crashed into a wall and broke my hand. Oh. But I was like, I'm not, I knew in the moment I hit the wall, I broke my hand. And all I could think of was all of the kids and all the people that were going to do it. So I was like, I'm definitely going to do it. And then halfway through, I got an infection and the, the wires got infected. So they, they said, look, you've got to come in. And I went to the hospital on the Friday and my hand like swelled up and I was on morphine and codeine and on liquid paracetamol all weekend. I was in agony. And I rang Rosie, Rosie, I can't not do this on Monday. I can't let people down. She said, well, why don't I demonstrate the exercise? Like, I'll be your assistant and you can just be like the, you know, the teacher. So <laughs> we dressed up together and we did it. And it was just so well. Everybody loved it. They loved the ones where Indy and Malia are running around. So yeah, I love her for that. I love that she stood up and got out of her comfort zone and really helped me through it. She's not into that. It's not her thing at all. So she smashed it. I was, I was well impressed. No, it was amazing. Well done. And look, to my, to my huge surprise, you're not yet knighted. Surely this will happen any time. How do you stay humble with all you know, the publicity and the fame and you know, the money that's coming in? It's a good question. I mean, I, I still live in a relative bubble. Like, if I think about it, I've never really felt like... I'm famous in the, in the sense that like, you know, I'm, I'm really well known and recognizable, but obviously there has been a bit of a shift because now when I'm out, a lot more kids are recognizing me and a lot more parents are saying, you know, all they really want to say and is to say, thank you for helping us through lockdown. And, 
you know, some people want a little selfie and it's lovely. I love that in that connection because I have to expect that, you know, when you're in someone's living room every day for 18 weeks and there's that intimacy of them knowing your kids and what you're doing and they, they really know you. So it's, it's part of it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of prepared for it, but at the same time, I don't let it affect my ego. I think I could have let success and, and fame and, and followers and financial gain affect me years ago. I think it's either, it's either in you or it isn't. I think you're either someone who, who loves that and is, is driven by that and is, is kind of flashy and, and it builds you up and you get this big ego and you want to share it with the world or you actually can just remain the same but you just have a few nice things in your life that make it a bit more comfortable. And I think I've always been that. I've always I've understood the importance of just keeping your feet on the ground and maybe that's my upbringing. You know, maybe that's because I, I grew up in a, in a council house and we didn't have money I don't feel a need to like share that and, and brag about certain things like that. Yeah, it's really, really amazing. Well done. And you mentioned, you know, the intensity of constantly doing your workouts and being on social media and doing, you know, TV uh, interviews late at night. How do you cope with burnout? And, you know, talk me through the dark times. I definitely felt in the first few weeks I was experiencing a little bit of like just completely run down, but I was running on adrenaline because I was doing Russell Brand podcasts. I was doing... Chris Evans breakfast show. I was doing good morning Britain this morning. I just, everything I did and it definitely kind of took its toll on me, but you know, it really comes down to, for me, like exercising regularly definitely helps just level me out. I find that is my meditation. That is my stress relief, trying to get a good night's sleep. Obviously it's more challenging with kids, but meditations helps a lot as well. Russell Brand got me onto um, guided meditation and I was so re reluctant to try it. But once I did, you know, I'm doing it a few days a week. It's really helped. I'm using headspace at the moment which I do think is an amazing app and just the way it's designed. It's just given me that little bit of time to have a pause and be present and not be chasing engagement and posts and followers and the next video. And I have lived on that. I have lived on that hamster wheel for a long time now. So to have that 15, 20 minutes of guided meditation, it really, really calms me down and levels me out. That's incredible. Um, I'm trying the same. I find it hugely beneficial too. Um, it's powerful. And how do you manage to balance, you know, the kids and work and a young family and, you know, the intensity? Even before lockdown, I was still very much present at home. This is just the way it's always been because I film my content at home. You know, my, my house is my office and I do my recipes and I've always been around the kids and stuff. So it's something that didn't really feel much different during lockdown. I think if you were someone who's in the office like nine to five and you were thrown into that mixer with your kids all day, it's probably a bit more intense. I practice patience. I practice gratitude. I try to, you know, as a parent, the heart, I think for me, the most stressful situation I can be in is when I've got two screaming babies, like one wanting food, one wanting to change their nappy or not sleeping. It's psychologically, it's really, really challenging. And I've read a couple of books and parenting podcasts about just taking that moment to have a breath because as a kid, you know, I was shouted at. So my default is to like scream and shout. And in my head, I definitely am doing that. But I want to be calm. I want to react differently. And so I'm trying my best to kind of be patient and calm and separate work. So if, I'm, if I've got things to do, like I need to go into another room and do it rather than like be in the same room and have the kids running about because then I do get a bit stressed. I think having sort of time out as well where I, you know, leave my phone and laptop upstairs and come down and we have lunch and I break the day out with little times where it's just me and the kids. And I think that helps them understand, you know, why I've got to disappear for a couple of hours upstairs. And with everything that's going on in your life, how do you keep on learning, you know, and developing yourself? Um, is there anyone you emulate? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by, you know, like I said, like I listen to some great podcasts and, you know, some books on parents. And there's a great one called, it's called Calm Parents, Happy 
happy kids yeah calm parents happy kids and that really helped um but yeah i listen to a lot of audio stuff and there's lots of people that inspire me but i just i genuinely just love entrepreneurial stories as well i get a lot of inspiration from you know how i built this is a great podcast and going back Mm -hmm. to the thing about gusto as well like i actually before i met you i listened to a podcast that you'd done it was like a was it monocle monocle podcast Mm -hmm. and i yeah yeah and that was before i met you so I already was in love with your mission and your purpose. And, you know, you're, you're a CEO of a company with hundreds of staff, but I love the fact that it was you going and buying fish and repackaging it and delivering it to customers. Because just like me starting out, you only had yourself and a goal and a vision. And so your, your purpose and the fact that you, you really do want families to cook healthy food at home with fresh ingredients, that was the perfect synergy. And I think it's the reason why so many, you know, tens of thousands of customers have signed up through, through my partnership code because they can see I love it. They can see the purpose of it and the mission of what it's trying to achieve. And it does, it does exactly what I want. I want people to cook healthy food, but sometimes the stress of getting to supermarkets and buying that stuff can limit and, and make that a real barrier to entry for healthy cooking. And that honestly, that podcast was the kind of, I said to Nikki, look, this guy, he's the real deal. Like he's on a mission and I'd love to be a part of that. And I, when I sat in that room with you, like I said to you, Tima, I really believe I can help you grow this company. I really believe I can help you get visibility and brand awareness. And, and I really hope you're happy with what we've done together. Yeah, massively. And look, this is day one, right? The next 10 years will be absolutely exciting. Um, there's so much opportunity that we haven't even like tapped into and I can see how for the last hundred years, people have been popping pills um, to stay healthy. And for the next hundred years, clearly they're doing fitness and they're doing food. So what you are doing, what Gusto is doing is so naturally helping people in the next 10 years as we all shift towards, um, you know, staying healthy because obesity, uh, mental health, all those topics are just massive. Um, so I really, really feel like this is the beginning and I love the partnership so far. And I couldn't be more privileged and proud of you know what we've already accomplished, um, getting people to eat healthier. It's awesome. No, it's really, really awesome. I'm so, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you feel that way. I, I just, I'm always trying my best to, you know, if I do any partnerships, I want it to work for me and for you and the audience and my audience. I knew from day one when I announced it, you know, everyone just went mad for it and the feedback and it's the customer service and the, and, the, and the product is so it's so good that people you know they responded how i did with that emotional like this is just make life so much easier and i'm really glad i wanted to ask how has it been for you during lockdown how, how did the covid19 and lockdown affect gusto as well yeah i mean obviously massive tragedy you know for for the uk and everyone living in the uk our mission became you know really really feeding our customers and and making, I mean, first of all, the, the, the number one priority was to keep the team safe. The second priority was um, to keep customers satisfied as Gusto moved from, you know, nice to have to absolute necessity because there's no food anymore in, in supermarket shelves. And then the third um, priority was to, to generate massive capacity so that we can feed even more people. We talked to the government, we talked to DEFRA, the government agency, about how to identify vulnerable people, what more can we do for the NHS. So we created kind of a, a fast track system. We built an app, uh, the Food Finder, you know, to really help people who don't have access to food and make it easier for them. So I'm like usually, usually proud of the team you know, we hired 400 people since the beginning of lockdown. It's been absolutely insane. 
but wow, I really, 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 yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I, and look, most of them, you know, a lot of them have, have joined virtually. I've never met them in person. I'm, you know, seeing them through the screen. It's crazy. Every week we do onboarding sessions, but it's, it's really, really, truly amazing. And I couldn't be more proud of the team. You know, we kept the team safe. We kept customer satisfaction high. It actually went to an all-time high during lockdown because people really felt like they could rely on Gusto. So I'm massively proud of the team. And obviously, I hope COVID is over um, soon. We can get back to normal, but just really humbled by what has happened. And, you know, I think you and also Gusto were just so fortunate and so lucky. And we've both worked incredibly hard. You know, I've not taken a holiday yet uh, just worked through weekends and just to make it happen and to convert the luck we had and the fortune we had into success uh, and it's been really humbling and amazing to see and yeah it's just all about people and the team they've done such a great job that's so good to hear team and i'm so inspired by you because what i what i like about you is your your personality you always seem so calm like even under you know stressful situations like trying to you know go through lockdown or expanding warehouses or things you just seem like you're really um, composed. Is that is that something you've always have you always been like that, or is that something you've learned as you've been a CEO? You need to remain calm. So my wife wouldn't say the same, but I think over over time I've learned how to stay a bit more calm. As you said before, I also really have to work on suspending judgment and like you know just taking stuff in and calming down and then thinking about options. Um, so I, I practice this a lot. To be honest, I've worked with seven coaches over the last four or five years. I've myself become a certified coach just to, you know, be better at understanding myself, to be honest, and also to help other people um, as that's increasingly, you know, my job um, to help people and unlock their potential truly. And then exercise, to be honest, I'm doing Joe Wiggs, you know, workouts every single week. I love them. I got all my friends to do them for my birthday. I got a massive group of people together. We all did Joe Wiggs, you know, workouts. I love your workouts. Um, I've got a couple of favorite ones. I keep on doing the same ones. There's one in Palm Springs. It's really, really, really intense. Oh yeah. In front of the airstream. What I can't believe about you as well, we got a Peloton, we both got on it. And when I, I got on it that day, I thought, this guy, man, he's got, he's got to give up. I was, I've never ridden that hard. Like we, we, were, we were competing on there, weren't we? And I thought this guy can just see the competitiveness in you. Like, and that's, that is something, it's a hunger and a drive that you've got the ability to push physically and mentally through, you know, business and life. I just thought it was a real, a real good, um, yeah, like metaphor to just show how, how hard working you are. I was, I was knackered. I was felt sick for about two hours after that. Yeah. Look, I've got, you know, I've got my own challenges and I've got my siblings who have, you know, certain issues in life and they can't achieve certain things. And that's hugely fueling me. I never, ever give up, right? I, I rather fall off the treadmill than give up. So when we texted, you know, we talked about beating 500. I think I literally smashed it the next day because it just felt like I have to, I have to do that. And I wasn't even planning on competing. I just was on the Peloton and I felt like, wow, you know, Joe and I discussed smashing 500. Why don't I just smash it now? Like, let's push myself really, really hard and get there. So yeah, mega, mega competitive. And I love our Peloton uh, competitions. They're super fun. Fair play, mate. I tried to do it the other day and I cracked after like 10 minutes. I thought, no, nah, I need to be doing this with either Timo or Mills or Nikki. I've got to be doing it with someone. But yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. We'll get back on it again soon. Yeah, definitely. And what do you do to unwind and like really, really switch off? Watching a good movie, like I love an action film where I just sort of I just switch off and just forget about the reality and just sort of get lost in a movie. But I also love a good series. I watched, um, the last thing I watched was Succession. Did you get into that at all? I did, yeah. I watched it. It's awesome. Oh my God, that was amazing. So I do like that and also enjoy 
you know, going for a nice um, like walk or bike ride with, with, with Rosie and the kids. We go around Richmond Park and, you know, just getting into nature, I think is really important. But I, one thing I love more than anything is traveling. Like, I love going away. Mm. And that was the thing I missed the most during lockdown. You know, me and Rosie would always go out for dinner, you know, once a week we'd get, we'd get a babysitter and my mum would come around. Or, so I, I do miss having those little weekend breaks. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to traveling. Because that's why I normally do like really intense periods of work, but then I'll have like a week off or two weeks to kind of re-energize myself. And that's what I've missed out. And I think I've just been flat out for like the past, yeah, like 20, 22 weeks or something it is now. Yeah, that's really tough. I, I definitely hit this trough where I felt like, oh my God, you know, it's Groundhog Day every single day. It's the same every day. I need to get out at some point. And, you know, we then did some energizing stuff and went out and took a couple of trips around the, the you know, the house and went to new parks. Um, but it's tough mentally for everyone, yeah, I for think. Yeah, sure. I talk a lot about, you know, mental health now and the fact that, you know, we need to take care of our health and sleep is so important. I, I realize that more than ever now that's, you know, a good night's sleep is so important. And I'm trying to get to bed earlier. I'm trying because obviously the kids wake up at six, six thirty, and it's there's broken sleep. So I'm trying my best to kind of get a better routine. I think that helps the productivity. And then obviously the three other important things is sleep, nutrition, and food, and also exercise, and then hydration. It's just all of them have kind of got to be working in harmony for you to really be optimized and be focused on what you're doing, and and your relationships all improve. So just like a lifestyle, isn't it? You've got to choose how you want to live your life. And are you naturally good at sleeping? Yeah, I can fall asleep really easy. Like there's no, there's no problem there, but I do feel really like lethargic and demotivated if I hadn't had a good night's sleep. And that's one thing I said to Rosa, let's just try and if we have dinner with the kids early and we get, we start the bed routine a bit early, then we might be in bed by nine. But at the moment we're getting in bed at like 10, 10, 13, then you're not asleep till like 11, you know, and it's just even later sometimes. And that's one thing I'm, cause I get, I really get inspired when I see like, you know, The Rock and Mark Wahlberg and all these people that get up at 4am and it's because <laughs> they go to bed early You know, they, they choose to get to bed and they wake up and they smash it before everyone else is up. And I want, I want to be that guy, but at the moment I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working towards it. Yeah. I'm always jealous of people who are amazing at sleeping. I, I suck at being good at sleeping. I, I just don't fall asleep easily at night. And, you know, I've got lots of stuff going on in my mind. I wake up at like 5.36, even on the weekend, but yeah. So is that, um, is that because you're, are you, are you a warrior or are you just like, um, are you just productively thinking and you've got ideas late at night and stuff? Yeah, no, it's not worrying. It's more like, I, you know, I've got, I'm a pretty high energy person. I've just got so much stuff in my head and like lots of conversations that inspire me and just switching off. I find really difficult. I find it incredibly easy, like to get into any topic, but then getting out of the topic again is, is really hard. So I need like some meditation at night or watch a show you know i'm writing a diary i've, I've done that I've, I've done journaling for the last 12 years i don't know if you've ever done it but i find it amazing no i've heard a lot of people talk about journaling and and they find it quite a, a, you know quite therapeutic but also mindful but no so you do you talk about your day how you felt and what you've been up to that sort of thing yeah, pretty much. I mean, a, a big piece is, is shifting from expectation towards appreciation. So it's really talking about what, what you're thankful for, you know, small stuff, nice um, meal with the family, sunshine, and just really focusing on the good stuff that's happening in, in, in your world and reframing your mind um, towards gratitude, I find really powerful. And then I, you know, just write down what what I see or to whom I talk today and what I'm doing, but it's, it's just a couple of sentences. It's not like a, you know, long essay. 
Yeah, that's a good. I might, I might give that a go because Pete, I've got a friend that's um also sort of going through therapy, and one of the things he's doing is a gratitude thing, and every day he writes a list, and it is just to say those little things like you know I'm glad that my mum and dad are alive, or I'm glad that my kids are healthy. Like these little things, we just don't stop because we're just so always on the move. What's the next thing? And yeah, you know, I totally imagine that help. I can imagine that really helps. Actually, I might um get myself a little notepad and, and give that a go. Nice, nice. It's also really humbling, you know. I mean, in your case, you talk about multi-million deals um, and huge amounts of money. And then if you if you write down the stuff you're really thankful for, you know, it tends to be a beautiful day, the sun was shining, you took the family to a nice place and you had dinner or something. It's really, really all about this stuff, this, the small stuff that inspires you and energizes you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think people are so, I think outsiders are so fixated on the wealth and the financial thing. And, but really we can all find so much happiness. Like I bet when lockdown was on, you know, sitting and having breakfast with your kids every day or going in the garden and playing football or in the paddling pool. Like these are the things we can all have access to that we all actually, what we're rich, which truly give us actual like love and energy and happiness. Don't you agree? I totally agree. And I think there's so many benefits that kind of emerged in lockdown, just working from home a lot more and not commuting all the time and being stuck in traffic and, you know, having time to have lunch, even whilst you have a busy day. Those things are really, really amazing and really kind of changed my perspective on life to some extent. I've got a question I want to ask you because um, I listen, I, you know, I listen to how I built this and I, I love all those journeys of the entrepreneurs that, you know, grow huge companies and, some of them talk about, you know, the exit whenever that they do an IPO or they sell. And some, sometimes it's not what they thought it was going to be. Like, are you excited or are you nervous about the day that you, if you do, you know, sell? Do you think it will be a, I don't know, how do you think it's going to make you feel when that day comes? So I never think about it, to be honest. And I, I, I just feel tremendously privileged to be in the position I'm in. I feel like Gusto has come such a long way you know, towards achieving the vision of being the most loved way to eat dinner. But it is only day one. You know, we want to make every meal needs to make the planet better off. There's so much we want to accomplish. And, you know, we have a couple of hundred thousand people eating Gusto every week. And that's fantastic. We, you know, we're selling a couple of million meals. But it, we are literally just scratching the surface. The one billion meals eaten in the UK every single week and convenience, online sustainability and health are kind of the mega trends. So the market will shift dramatically in the next 10 to 20 years. So if I'm lucky enough, you know, I really want to run this company for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So I haven't really thought about, you know, exit or, or any of those topics. The potential is just insane. We briefly touched up on health. I think I genuinely think health will be one of the most exciting opportunities for us. And in five to 10 years, people will think Gusto is a healthcare company almost. The benefits are so clear to people then. So no, you know, I, I really focus on today and what more can I do for the team? Every single day, I, I try to obsess about the, the 1,000 people we have in our team. They're truly, truly amazing. And they are kind of the frontline people who do all the heavy lifting. Um, so I try to do more for them every single day. And that's kind of what keeps me going. And then Gusto is super, super customer obsessed. It's all about customer happiness and ratings and innovation and pushing the boundaries. Why does this not work? How can we make it work? Not accepting no for an answer. This is kind of the stuff that really drives and motivates me on a daily basis. And I think, you know, if we ever IPO'd, then to me, that's a means to an end. If it helps us to achieve our vision and to drive customer satisfaction, then we'll IPO. If we don't, if it doesn't help us, if it doesn't make customers' lives better, then we won't IPO. 
So it's, it's really all about, you know, keeping the, the true north in mind and obsessing about that. And then, you know, good things will happen on the way. I have no doubt life will get better on the way and the teams are getting bigger and better and we can afford, you know, huge talent. We just, uh, we just put one job ad out for an analyst, right? Like a research analyst. And within two days, we had 500 applications. It's insane. Wow, really? I, I love I love that about you. I love your you, you. You said that in the first time we met. You said about your long term horizon. I hadn't I hadn't heard that before. So it's a nice way of looking at things because you you have this ten year, fifteen year vision, which not many you know. I think in this day and age, everyone wants to like raise the value of a company and sell it within two years, and you know, and 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 sort of cash out. But I think, like you said, you're so you're so linked to that mission and that vision that it's just like. And and when you say that as well, that one billion mils a week are consumed, and you're doing a couple of mil, like it's it's mad, isn't it? That you you really are just. It's the start of a, a revolution, if you like, of of a new like you know like Amazon is dealing with kind of you know um, retail and shopping online. You're you're doing that for food, and it's like you're in, you're in its infancy, right? But you're leading the way, which is the most exciting thing. No, it's super fun and super privileged, and you know having amazing people like yourself on this journey is just massively inspiring. And so I want to work until I'm 19. But what do you want to do when you're 60 or 70 or 50 or what? You know, pick the number. Well, me and Nikki talk about this a lot now. We've talked about, we, you know, we're really proud of what we've achieved. We've, we've done so well. You know, we've essentially, you know, a PDF, quite an analog business, but we're actually innovating at the moment. So we're working on an app ourselves and we're really going to step into that tech space where we can compete with the likes of, you know, Peloton and Beachbody.com and all these other big online fitness companies because, you know, we, we do offer an amazing service and a product which tr- really transforms people's lives. It, it takes them on a mental health journey, but also a physical transformation through content, video, video content, and also recipes. So we're kind of going into quite an exciting time now, but I do still like the idea of growing it and building it so that one day maybe it is a sellable asset. At the moment, it's so linked to me. Like it's all on me, isn't it? If mm-hmm. I stop tomorrow, the body coach stops. Whereas if I can design the business and bring in new trainers and different people from around the world and structure it in a way that it's more subscription based. And I think there is a possibility that, you know, in five years time, I, I could sell the body coach as a brand because I've, I've never seen it as a brand. I've always just seen it. It's just me. And I'm in my living room, with my camera, like I'm the body mm-hmm. coach, but I, I'm seeing now it is a, it is a brand and it is a, it is a company that is changing lives. And, you know, just like when there's Weight Watchers and Slimming World and all these companies that have been around for like, you know, decades, I believe that the body coach could also be around in, in years to come as a really great solution for fat loss and for mental health. So that's kind of my, my vision's changed now. I'm kind of thinking, let's work towards that. Because ultimately, look, no matter how much I love doing what I'm doing, I won't, there's, I'm not always going to be cool and popular and relevant. You know, there's a time where, being, you know, doing YouTube videos and being a personal trainer online, there is an expiry date on me. So that's really where my head's at now. I want to find the best of the best, like amazing trainers and bring in diversity and, you know, female trainers and people from all over the world to really build out that like really trusted brand of an online fitness platform and let the whole world know about it. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, the, the brand equity you have already is amazing. And it's so easy to see how you can build on top of this. Every single week, somebody asks me like how I exercise and any recommendations. And I always send them to, to your YouTube channel. And, um, you know, recently, a lot of people have downloaded those apps. So it makes perfect sense for me to explore that. And, and people are so willing to pay for subscription nowadays. Yeah, well, the gym industry is obviously really struggling at the moment. I think I obviously done well with the lockdown and with the YouTube views and things, but I think most people with an online platform or any kind of decent online home workout content 
did really well during lockdown. I think, you know, a lot of gyms will now move to doing some more digital stuff. I think to just to, just in case we, you know, because everyone's opening up, but imagine if we go into another lockdown through winter, it's just going to set those gyms back even further. So I think all fitness brands should try their best to deliver online content and keep that engagement going all throughout the year, I think to sustain it. Joe, I loved our chat. Thank you so much. Any final advice you can share on how to lead a successful life? Just, yeah, like my, my philosophy is, you know, I talk about it quite, quite in quite basic terms, but, you know, work hard, have fun and be nice. And if you do those three things, you know, online or in the real, work, real world, like you will grow and you'll learn and you'll achieve amazing things. That's always what I sort of lean back to if anyone asks me, you know, what, how do you maintain your focus and your success? And that's my principles. 